0: That could
3: make a Wolverine
4: curve on V-CIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Greg Peterson Experience right here on V The Sports Betting Network. Great to have you all aboard as I follow up Femi and Wes as they did live bet tonight. I guess this is live bet after midnight because we've got ourselves a farm burner of a game between Duke and Kansas. Certainly gonna give you guys some updates here as I know that many of you guys are sweating this one out and we're going to be just sweating out a lot this college basketball season, and it's going to be very interesting to see what this show is going to be once the World Cup gets going as well, because as we know, with it going on in Qatar, a massive time difference there, we're probably going to be getting some good matchups there, and we've got ourselves a great guest list as this game, or this show, I should say, is completely locked and loaded as Frank Schwab is going to be joining me in 15 minutes. We got to get his thoughts on NFL Week 11, all the hoopla that we've been seeing, and what to make out of some of the top teams in the NFL with the Eagles and the Bills losing over the weekend. We are also going to be talking a little bit of football with Stephanie Odie in hour number two. She does a great job being able to be on the sidelines for Fox Sports. She's going to be joining me in hour number two. So about an hour and 15 minutes from now, and also in hour number two, we've got Steve Fatsiano, legendary better. He's been doing something called the Closing Line Value Challenge, and I think it's going to be interesting to see some of the takeaways from there, because something that I always say is that you're not betting teams, you're betting numbers, and he's done very something very interesting where he takes a look at a lot of these college football games. He pretty much just picks teams out of a head, and he just gives them an extra point of value, and how much of a difference that makes in terms of how much you'd be able to win slash lose just with getting a point extra. So we're going to be diving into that in hour number two and then our number three, Ryan Kramer. He does absolutely amazing work with the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He's going to be joining me. We're going to be talking some NFL with him along the way. We're going to be talking lots of college basketballs. We have had a lot of takeaways from the Tuesday game. You got the game that is going down right now. I'll give you guys my thoughts here in a minute or two and then you've got my DK Nation pick that is going to be coming up in hour number two and if you miss it in hour number three, we're going gonna. hit that at the back half of the show as well, but that said, you always hear about the song, and it's a phrase that I've heard many, many times. The more I see, the less I know, and what I do know right now in college basketball is that this is going to be a very rambunctious and a herky-jerky year in general. A Michigan State team that really started out outside the top 25 and a team that, I'll be honest here, I wasn't necessarily too high on. They get the job done in the early game of the Champions Classic by a count of 86 to 77, and really the big takeaway that I have in this game, and something that I've just been noticing in college basketball this season as well, is that, once again, you can do all the metrics. You can take a look at all the sets. You can take a look at all the incoming players. What you really want to be taking a look at is coaching, because if you looked at that Kentucky versus Michigan State game, there were many, many times in which Kentucky, it looked like they were going to be a pull away. It looked like they were going to just run and hide with that game. But every single time Kentucky, it looked like it was building a momentum, guess who had an answer? Tom Izzo and Michigan State, and we all saw what happened when Oscar Sheewey fell out of that game, 86-77, to 77, by the way. If you, like me, had the under in that one, I really feel for you. Those are some of the worst beats that you're going to take when a game... Stays way under regulation and then it flies over in overtime. In this case, flies over in double overtime. That's just that's a kick in the family jewels for you. So that was not too terrific. But what I really just took away from this game is that the better coach won this one because with Kentucky, they had the better athletes out there, in my opinion. Oscar Sheebway, he came in off the bench. He had 22 points, 18 boards, four blocks. But once he Followed out. It was clear who the better coach team was. That was Michigan State, and it was not even close. And John Calipari, I'm not even saying that he's a bad coach. He's a tremendous recruiter, and that's all part of coaching. But there are certain coaches out there that you always want to bank on. I stupidly took Kentucky in this game, and well, I probably should have taken a look at the coaching a little bit more. And. We're just noticing this across college basketball. You notice some of these teams that are coming up short towards the beginning part of the season. We are seeing it with a team like Louisville. They are now 0-3. Guess who's currently coaching for them? Kenny Payne, who's in his first season. And do I think that Kenny Payne can work out at Louisville? Absolutely. Did Kenny Payne just completely ignore the transfer portal, not bring in any guards whatsoever? And does he right now have a band of misfits parts that he is looking to try to sort of cobble together? Absolutely. And I don't think that you could judge a coach like a Kenny Payne in three games, especially in college basketball. The only time I really felt compelled that, yeah, we should can this guy after three games. That'd be Nathaniel Hackett over there with the Denver Broncos. And I don't think that there's a lot of people that will disagree with me. He should have been given a pink slip when he decided, you know what? We're in Seattle. We're going to kick a 64-yard field goal here. That was not so great to say the least, but coaching in college basketball It is always, oh, so paramount, and a lot of these good coaches, they're rising to the top, and sometimes, you just have to take a look at some of these up-and-coming coaches. Some of these guys are looking to build a little bit of a name, and we always talk about a lot of the bigger schools on just this network in general, and that's really what gets a lot of the love. Like, right now, we're watching Duke versus Kansas. If you have a bet on this game, it's 55-54, about six minutes remaining with Duke having the ball, so we're going to keep you guys covered there, but... I do think that sometimes you've got to take a look at some of the up-and-comers because I take a look at the James Madison team that I just mentioned. Guy and Mark Byington. It feels like he's starting to get things rolling over there at James Madison. The team was the regular season champs in the Colonial. In his first season there, they've now made the move to the Sunbelt. This James Madison team has now won each out of their first three games by at least 25 points. They completely blowed the doors off of a school like Howard. That's something that you've got to be taking note of. There are a lot of teams that they come in with a lot of fanfare and they fall short, and then there's a lot of teams that they come in and not a lot of people know what to expect, and boom, they're able to burst onto the scene. And James Madison feels like one of those teams that this year you really want to be taking note of because not only are they – playing really well. It's just fun to watch a team like James Madison that they're able to generate like 20 steals a game. They're able to do a good job of going bombs away from three-point range. They play 10 different guys that they all know how to move the ball. They all do a good job of getting each other involved. This is a team that is going to be fun to watch this season and I mean it really is a joy of college basketball because you've got a team like James Madison. They do a great job of being able to get pressure. They do a nice job of generating steals. They put up a bunch of points. And then you've got schools like Virginia that play at that super snails pace. You've got a team like Duke, which if you're watching this champions classic game between Kansas and Duke, they're really improved on the defensive side of things. Part of it is just the way that this roster is made up because with Duke, the uh, star freshman that they are bringing in, they are they, one of their big guys. And Whitehead, he's not playing in this game. They'll be a little bit different when he's out there on the floor. He's a six foot six, six foot seven, a little bit of a combo player, and he shoots the lights out. But that said, the star freshman that they bring in, Kyle Philkowski, Derek Lively, these are a pair of guys that stand right around seven foot tall to seven foot one. They do a good job of just eating up the glass. They've also got a guy, Mark Mitchell. I like coming into this game. He was averaging right around 15 and a half points per contest, and he's able to pop some threes as well. But it's just the all size team, and right now it is badly affecting this Kansas team. If Duke is able to just hone it in a little bit more in terms of the turnovers, because they have turned it over quite a bit in this game, but with that defense, they're also doing a great job of being able to generate their turnovers as well. This is going to be a team that can be as big of a threat as any this college basketball season in terms of the national title picture and that's really my biggest thing right now in terms of college basketball unlike in past years where it felt like you had that clear number one and typically it's been gonzaga who's been that number one team and with gonzaga they've made like your buddy at the bar the last few seasons have been unable to close now i don't think that that's an indictment that gonzaga is like an anti-air quotes here bad program Many programs wish that they could get to two national titles in five years. And if we're going to hold the feet to the fire of Gonzaga of never winning a national title, well, we've got to bring up the fact that the Big Ten has not won a national title since 2000 and that the Pac-12's last title came from Arizona in 1997. So we've got to play both sides of the coin there. But if you look at right now on DraftKings, odds to be able to win the national championship, Houston is actually your top team. They're at plus 800 on the board. The teams that entered into this champions classic at nine to one were Kentucky, Gonzaga, North Carolina. Then you have Baylor at twelve to one. Kansas and Duke, a pair of teams that are going at it right now. Kansas is at thirteen to one. Duke is at sixteen to one. It is about as wide open as wide open gets. And it's a big reason why I do take the approach. Now you do in terms of college basketball going more game to game rather than trying to take a look at the futures market because I feel like based on the draw that you're going to get in the NCAA tournament is going to determine these scenes like the difference between Houston and Duke very very slim the difference between Gonzaga and Duke very slim Baylor and Arkansas another team that's up there. Baylor, North Carolina, you're able to throw out there whatever combinations that you want out of these top 10, these top 12 teams. It is about as thin as thin gets. Like we're right now seeing Texas versus Gonzaga. These are a pair of teams that are towards the top of the odds board. Gonzaga, number two in terms of your futures odds along with North Carolina, and Kentucky, Texas. They're more on that. I believe that on the board at DraftKings, they are currently at number 10. Texas at home, right around about a one-point favor right now. That tells you that on a neutral court, this would be a line of two. We haven't seen things this wide open in a very long time in college basketball. That is going to make it all the more important that you're not just blind tailing or blind fading any of these teams that you're taking a look at the matchup itself because I think that that is going to be truly rewarded more this year than we've ever seen before. Sometimes you're going to get some bad variants. Sometimes you're going to get some lucky breaks. Always try to be able to get the best of the number. We're certainly going to be talking about that with our good friend Steve Faziano and our number two, but it is going to be an exciting college basketball season that I think you're going to need to hold on to your butts for because it is going to be a fun one. And those of you guys keeping track of the Duke versus Kansas game as they do it live, we're down to about 420. Kansas currently trailing 59 to 54 with the ball. So we shall see what happens there. We shall also see what happens in week 11 of the NFL. And a man that is going to be helping me break it down, another man that is from the great state of Wisconsin, that would be Frank Schwab. He does amazing work over at Yahoo Sports. It's a great week 11 card, and we're going to be breaking it down with him next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on v the Sports Bank Network.
3: Himself on VSEN, the sports betting
4: network. College basketball has started, and now is the time to get your copy of our annual college basketball guide. At over four hundred pages, it's our biggest betting guide ever, with odds, trends, power rankings, and analysis on every single team. Our team of experts, including Matt Humans, Adam Burke, John Von Tobel, myself, Greg Peterson, Tim Murray. We've got you guys covered with predictions on win totals, futures, conference champions, tournament teams, and break down all 60 of the coaching changes made since last season. Only way to be able to get this guide is by becoming a VEASAN Pro subscriber. Sign up down for just $99. Get VEASAN Pro access to everything that we do all the way through to the Super Bowl. And you get that at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Vison the Sports Bank Network, and Great to be joined by our guest. Frank Schwab does amazing work over there at yeah, Yahoo Sports covering the great game of football. And Frank, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. What's going on, Greg. How you doing? I'm doing great. And what I was talking about in the last segment was how wide open it feels like things are in terms of college basketball and the national title. And after this last week, it feels like it is wide the heck open in terms of who's going to win the Super Bowl in the NFL. We saw the Bills go down over the weekend. We also saw the Eagles take their first loss of the season. When it comes down to it, do you think that, much like myself, that it's pretty wide open? Because even with it being perhaps a big three in terms of the Bills, the Eagles, and the Chiefs like I've been talking about, I'm starting to talk myself into more of a team like the Ravens, a team like the Dolphins being able to make some noise. And the more I look at it, the more I think, man, Team X can be able to make a run this year.
2: Yeah, I mean... You didn't even mention uh, the, one of the only eight and one teams, one the of Vikings. The one yes, teams, the Vikings Vikings, right? <laughs> Who kind of validated everything by going and winning at the bills. I know that everybody was a little skeptical about them as I was, but Hey, you go on the road, you win at Buffalo. You, you know, you're legit at that point at eight and one. I agree with you. This is wide open. I think we're going to see a champion this year that just gets hot late, whether it is the bills or whether it's somebody down the board. I, I mean, you know, I, I it, The Buccaneers even like, and I know that sounds crazy based on how poorly they've played, but the Buccaneers are clearly going to win their division. They're going to host a home game as a result. Why can't they get hot? I I mean, just a team like that coming out of nowhere, I could see happening because, you know, as we saw this past weekend, there's really nobody who's unbeatable and not that we thought the Eagles were going to go 17 and 0 or anything, but to lose it to commanders at home, I kind of chalk that up to hey, you know, every team has a bad loss in the NFL this season when you go down the list, but they just showed, it. look, the Eagles are vulnerable. They can't stop the run, you know, I, the Bills. The Bills can't win close games. Like, that's been, they're, they've lost 10 one-possession games over the last two seasons. That's unbelievable. That's part of their DNA at this point. They're just not good in close games. Josh Allen presses a lot in, in, in those situations. So every team has a fatal flaw, and when that happens, it's really hard to say, I totally trust, team X to make the Super Bowl.
4: Yep. I'm in total agreement with you there. I feel like it's as open as open gets right now. And a team that we have not mentioned, and they're probably going to be able to win their division. And if you're looking at teams that are undervalued, I think that this team has to be towards the top of the list. The Tennessee Titans, they go on the road to face off against the green Bay Packers, The Titans, in my opinion, are just getting disrespected on this line. I'm seeing the Packers as a three-point favorite, and in a lot of places you have to lay the juice to lay the three with the Green Bay Packers. Now, I like what I saw from them last week against the Dallas Cowboys. I think that was more of an outlier than anything else, in my opinion. And with this Titans team, they have overcome every obstacle. Their only loss in their last six games, I believe, was that overtime loss against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh I just take a look at this spot, and even though maybe the Titans shouldn't be the outright favorite here, giving them three points and even having to lay juice with the three on the Packers, that just feels like disrespect.
2: Yeah, and I heard somewhere that it moved to three and a half at certain places. So if I can get three and a half, I'm all about the Titans. Look, Greg, you know this. We sit here week out. The Titans are just that team. Sit here week after week. We say, boy, the Titans didn't play that well. They just didn't do this. And they, oh, but they won the game. Over and over, over the last few years, they they win these ugly games where you're like, well, you know, against the Broncos, Derrick Henry had like 2.8 yards per rush. They really just got one big play in the passing game the whole time. But yet they won. They covered Mike Vrabel's a heck of a coach. He really is. And on the other side, yeah, I'm not convinced the Packers are back. Yeah, they they came back. They won. Great. But this is a team that was down 14 points in the fourth quarter at home. They had a good quarter. Obviously great. And and it's awesome to get that win for them because it keeps their season alive. I don't think it necessarily means that we're going to see the Packers get on some huge run here at the end of the season. I'll take the Titans plus three and a half because they just find ways. Mike Vrabel's that guy. This team knows its identity. They, you know, you don't know how they're going to do it. Analytically, I can't break it down for you how the Tennessee Titans end up winning more in the games than they lose. But it's just kind of a thing. Mike Vrabel can figure this out. And again, this team plays into its identity as well as any in the NFL.
4: Yep, I'm in total agreement with you. I do like the Titans in this spot, even at just a flat three, even if they don't put the hook on the three. I still like the Tennessee Titans, and with the Green Bay Packers, they certainly, in my opinion, are not going to be able to catch the Vikings in the division, and now they find themselves in a spot, and I'm glad to be seeing the move that I'm seeing because when the Vikings were opening up a plus two-point underdog against the Dallas Cowboys at home, that felt like blatant disrespect. Now we've seen this come down to one in a lot of spots. I still like the Vikings to be able to win this game with Dallas. It's back-to-back road games for them. The Vikings are riding about as high as high gets. That just incredible end of the game against the Buffalo Bills and the way that they've been playing at home. I feel like this Vikings team is much like we were talking about with the Titans. A team that's getting a little bit of a lack of respect. They win games. They don't necessarily do so in flashy fashion. As a matter of fact, I think that they've won just once this season by more than eight points, and that was ironically enough, against the Packers. But I just take a look at this game. And I feel like it sets up very well for the Vikings to be able to piggyback off that nice one that they got against the bills and keep that momentum moving forward.
2: Yeah, it's a good spot for them for sure. Especially the Cowboys going back up North for a second straight week. I, I will say I haven't really decided on this game yet. I really got to, it might be what I, I lay off because I, I do think this line is disrespectful to the Vikings. This is a good football team. They look, they they're another team that they're not going to blow you away analytically or, a per play average or EPA or anything like that, but they just win games, and there's something to be said about that. But on the other side, I'm not down on the Cowboys. I've been high on the Cowboys all year. I was even higher than most on them in the offseason. They had the bad week one. Since then, they've been a really good football team. Yeah, they had the bad fourth quarter and overtime against the Packers. Mike, but if you know, I don't disagree with Mike McCarthy's decision to go for it on fourth and three in overtime, and if they get that, they're probably going to win the game. So I'm not really down on the Cowboys. I, I just This line is disrespectful to the Vikings. So I'm not sure which way I'm leaning here yet. These are two good football teams. And I think that, you know, we could see this game happen again in the playoffs and it would be pretty close and a a very good matchup.
4: Yep. I do think that it's going to be fascinating to take a look at this game because I am looking at the Vikings. I think we're both in agreement that it is a little bit disrespectful, but perhaps there's maybe something that I'm missing on the outset. Something that I've been taking a look at. All season long, as well as this Kansas City Chiefs team, just not being able to get the job done on big lines. And right now, they are a six and a half point favorite against the Chargers. Credit where credit is due. The Chiefs were able to cover last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I actually like what I saw against the LA, or I like what I saw from the LA Chargers against the 49ers. Mm -hmm. They did have. A little bit of a rough go of it towards the end of the game, but they were able to rise up even with all those injuries. The Chargers getting 6-0 at home recognize that their home field advantage, not necessarily the world's greatest, but I feel like that's, once again, I feel like I've been using this phrase a lot here in this segment, but disrespectful towards the Chargers.
2: Yeah, and I agree with that too. I think the Chargers are a good team. They're competitive. They always play the Chiefs tough. Now, this is an injury report game where – I'm gonna have to really take a look at the injury report Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Are are the Chargers getting some of their guys back? Can Keenan Allen finally get back in the lineup? Mike Williams maybe. I haven't really dug into the news yet from from LA on on which guys they think might get back in this game. But that's obviously a huge deal to them. They're really running with a skeleton crew, and you saw that in the second half against San Francisco. They couldn't move the ball because you know when you got DeAndre Carter and Josh Palmer is really your only options in the offense. Even a quarterback like Justin Herbert's gonna struggle a little bit. So they can get a little bit, you know, a little bit back health-wise. If you can get that six and a half, even if it goes up a little bit, yeah, I do like the Chargers in this spot. That's a, a feisty home underdog. I, I still believe in the Chargers being a good team. Maybe not great because of their injuries, but there's still a lot of talent on that side of the ball. And again, they they usually play the Chiefs tough. I'll be on the Chargers here, no doubt. I, again, it's it's just these Chiefs lines are going to get crazy. I saw that the look-ahead line for the Rams game is 11 already in L.A., and I know the Rams are really, really struggling, but. 11 points, really? Uh, plus 11 with the Rams? I mean, we're going to see the Chiefs. Every line's going to be inflated from here on out.
4: Yep, it certainly is going to be a little bit inflated. And is there any other teams that you take a look at that you feel like are a little bit overvalued in general? Because I just look at the Chiefs. They're a team that I don't necessarily trust, laying a big number. And I feel like the Raiders, just all season long, they have been way yeah. too overvalued in the market.
2: I think the Buccaneers have been too. I think yeah. we're we're still waiting for them to become the Buccaneers, and maybe they will at some point. I mean, the talent is still there, but they haven't been that team. And I I think T I think it's finally flipped on the Rams too, where people realize the Rams really stink. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a bad football team. So, and maybe the Bengals are another one where I don't know who the Bengals are yet. I really don't. I, I can't. I just I can't get it out of my head how bad they looked on that Monday night against the Browns, who are really an awful football team. So the the those three teams are three that usually when I look at the spreads, I'm like, ah, I just, I got to go to the other side just to fade this.
4: Yep. I'm right there with you. And coming up next, we shall see if there are a few more of those fades as Frank Schwab, who does great work at Yahoo sports. He's going to be rejoining me. We're going to be continuing to break down this week. 11 NFL card next right here on the great Peterson experience on VEASAN, the sports Betting network.
3: Peterson himself on V the Sports Betting Network.
4: Warning, this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine is an addictive chemical as this is Greg Peterson experience presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches. The surprisingly simple way to enjoy nicotine. Look, most nicotine pouches are either too complicated to use or they don't provide the satisfaction that you're looking for. But Zin Nicotine Pouches, they might surprise you. They are made with six simple ingredients and is tobacco leaf free. Plus, it offers up to one hour of nicotine satisfaction per pouch buy Zinn online or find a store that is nearest you at Zinn.com. That is Z-Y-N.com as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa and the Sports Bank Network being rejoined by Frank Schwab. Does absolutely tremendous work over there at Yahoo Sports and we were talking a little bit earlier about teams that might be a little bit overvalued, teams that might be a little bit undervalued and with the Buffalo Bills I think this line is starting to get a little bit lofty. The Browns it did not look good against the Miami Dolphins. I give a little bit more credit to the Miami Dolphins for a great performance rather than the Browns having a little bit of a poor performance on the road. But that's said, with the Buffalo Bills. They're now between about an 8 to an 8.5 point favorite here against Cleveland. I feel like once this line reached north of 7, it was just a little bit too steep for me. The Browns have been a little bit of a disappointment, and hey, Maybe I'm just out overvaluing the Browns a little bit as well, but I think getting eight here is a okay spot with the Cleveland Browns, who they've got quite a few w- weapons around Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, and it really hasn't been their offense that's been that
2: big of a problem. It's their defense. Uh, surprisingly enough, uh, Brissett's been fine. Like if you look at at the underlying stats, the Browns' offense has been okay. Like it's really not been the problem. I think the main handicap here, though, is the weather. I, I mean, the early for- forecast is saying. There might be, and I saw somebody tweet, multiple feet of snow in Buffalo on Sunday. Well, okay, who does that favor? The team that likes to go out of the shotgun and pass it all the time with Josh Allen or the one that just would love to hand it off to Dick Chubb every single play? The Browns, I mean, if it's if it's truly that bad of weather, I think the Browns do have an advantage, especially if this line is over a touchdown. I mean, anything can happen. We could see a three-nothing game if the weather's that bad in Buffalo. We've seen those type of games before. I, I saw already the over-unders gone from, I believe, 47 to 43. I punch a ticket under 43, just assuming we're going to get bad weather here. So, yes, but if, let's say, the weather's somewhat neutral and they can play in it, I still think you're right. That Like, the Bills, there's just something been off with them the past couple weeks. And, you know, they, they're they now not doing great as, as big favorites the last couple games, although, you know, they're six and a half against the Vikings in closing. But I just wonder, there's something's off with the Bills. I think they need to recapture their confidence, their mojo, whatever you want to call it, before I'm willing to lay a a pretty big
4: lineman. I agree with you on that front. And what I always find so funny is that we saw Jeff Saturday come out in his first game with the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts were able to get the win and all credit where credit is due to Jeff Saturday being able to get that win. But I'm sure you saw a bunch of people on social media being like, oh, every analyst that said that the Jeff Saturday hire was bad. They should all be fired and everything like that. It's like, (laughs) it is one game. One game. game against against Josh McDaniels, by the way. Yes. talking about
2: people who should be fired. Yes,
4: I mean Jeff Saturday, even though he has no experience, might be more qualified to coach right now than Jeff. <laughs> oh my goodness! Than oh a my. Few God. of these people, oh, Josh boy.
2: McDaniels. Yes, uh, yeah. One game, people. And if, uh, that's why we love the NFL, right, Craig? It's overreaction central. Like I saw, I think it was Dan Orlovsky. I hate to call him out by name, but Dan Orlovsky saying, "I think Justin Fields could win MVP this year." Like, oh, I huh? saw that. Oh, what? What? what the, where did this come? Like, can't we just say like Justin Fields played really well? I, I've been on that bandwagon. And then he takes to the next step of Justin Fields with MVP. And I'm like, I, no, I can't, I can't get there with you.
4: Yeah. If the NFL had a most improved player award, I could certainly see that uh, MVP uh, on a various <laughs> team that is flailing. And I mean, credit where credit is due. Justin Fields has been playing absolutely magnificent, but uh, has. Yeah, that said, I mean, how about if we hit that game right now? We're seeing the Atlanta Falcons as a three-point favorite, the total between 49 and a half and 50. I sort of want to see how the Bears are going to be faring moving forward because the defense has become a sieve ever since the trade deadline. Yeah. Justin Fields has been able to come on, but with Justin Fields, it hasn't necessarily been by the air. He has just been rushing for 100-plus yards, being able to get all those touchdowns, How do you cap this game? Because with the Falcons, I felt like it was a little bit fool's gold that we saw at the beginning of the season for the Bears. I do think that this offense is now a little bit more for real. Honestly, I think three is the correct number. I have yet to take a position, and until we see something move off of three, I don't think I'm going to be.
2: Yeah, it's really tough because – on one hand, you have a Falcons team that just looks lost right now. They, they have no passing game. They don't want Marcus Mariota to throw the ball at all. And we saw what happens when he does throw it last Thursday against the Panthers. He had one of those miserable games where he just seemed to be in quicksand. He's just making mistake after mistake. But on the Bears side of it, you're right. I mean, they've looked better for sure. I mean, there's no question about that. But it's so one-dimensional. But do the Falcons have the defense to stop one-dimensional offense. Probably not. Uh, but another part of this is Khalil Herbert's hurt, who I think is a huge part of what the bears do. I think he's their best running back. They get more carries David Montgomery, but I think Khalil Herbert's more talented. Now Herbert's out for a while. So, so many layers to this. I'll You know what? I'll probably end up being on the bears just because the points I like, get full three. Sure. I get that because I really don't trust what the, I've seen out of the Falcons lately, offensively or defensively. At least I know that Justin Fields is going to run for a ton of yards and the Falcons will be able to stop him. That at least gives me a puncher's chance in this game if I have plus three. So it looked, that's a funny thing. Like we're all talking about Justin Fields and he's been, had one of the really, truly weird, rapid improvements you've seen over a few weeks. Like we remember, I mean, when they played the commanders on Thursday night, a month ago, that they, they look terrible. Fields didn't look any good at all either. Here we are a month later, but Justin Fields looks like a future star. It's kind of crazy. But at the same time, like you said, they traded Roquan Smith, they traded Robert Quinn. This is a bad defense. We know their their limitations on offense. It's a pretty much a Justin Fields show. If you trust that, take the plus three. I Probably. Yep,
4: yeah, it's it's such an intriguing spot at three. I just cannot dive in on either team. If this comes down below the three, I think you got a little bit of value on the Falcons. North of three, I feel like you got a little bit of value with the Bears. Keep in mind, two weeks ago we saw six different NFL games. Land on three. So I do think that that is a very important number. And I was actually going to lead with this game before we got off on a little bit of a change in because with Jeff Saturday, just a intriguing ordeal with the Colts, to say the least. They're currently six half point underdogs against the Philadelphia Eagles at home. I feel like this could be a get right spot for the Eagles. And as we all know, with coaches that get hired, it gives a little bit of a jolt to the team. It shakes things up a little bit. That wears off after a little bit of time. Does it wear off this week? Or might it be like two, three weeks from now that it wears off a little bit more? I mean, the one
2: situational handicap, not situational handicap, but a kind of game-specific handicap here is the Eagles can't stop the run right now. They lost their rookie defensive tackle Jordan Davis, and their run, game is, run defense has really abandoned them. We saw Washington get whatever they wanted right up the middle. Well, the Colts last week, finally, jo- Jonathan Taylor showed up, you know, we both love J- JT hadn't had a good season, but last week really looked like he's healthy as that spring in his step again, they blocked well for him. So I think a whole key to this game is can the Eagles stop the Colts running game. I will say this, that, uh, you know, Matt Ryan wasn't having a good season by any means when he got benched, but there's no question he gives them a better chance to win right now. And so when they made the switch to Matt Ryan, I thought that, okay, th- this gives the Colts a chance going forward to be competitive in games. They had played some close games. Look, this team beat the Chiefs earlier in the year. They're, they're not incapable. So I, while well, I do think, yes, the Eagles it is a good spot for them to get right, they're going to be mad coming out of that loss, the way they kind of got it taken from them by the officials with some bad calls there. But I don't know that they can stop the run. I really don't. I think Jonathan Taylor could have another 150-yard game, and then maybe you're looking at the Colts covering here. So I, I, I kind of right now lean toward the Colts, but it's it's hard because yeah, like you said, you get that dead cap bounce with the with the first time coach, right? Even if it's Jeff Saturday off of the get upset in ESPN, and what happens in week two? That's what we really got to see. But hey, maybe the Colts got some confidence going, and maybe they can actually give the Eagles a scare.
4: Yeah, maybe they can. As I do take a look at this game, and like you mentioned, that Philadelphia Eagles run defense, it does give me a little bit of pause. And just in terms of week 11 in general, we've mentioned some of the big games that we're going to be seeing. Is there one that we have not mentioned that you have your eye on, whether it be from a betting perspective or just a team in general that you think they might be in a little bit of a either good spot or a tricky spot? You know, the one game, it's kind of a
2: train wreck thing. The Broncos Raiders game kind of fascinates me because it's so bad. And what, like, honestly, if we're, if, if this is a meritocracy, the coach who loses this game probably should be fired right? Like you should probably coach be, be. Week 11. Yeah. They, they both should be gone. This, if you made this a loser leaves town match though, whoever, like whoever loses this game has to get fired. I think it ratings would go up for it, but I am intrigued. Have do, are the Raiders is dead or can we just fade the Raiders the rest of the season? I saw the Broncos were minus two and a half and I don't really trust the Broncos cause they can't move the ball at all. But this Raiders team looks absolutely in the tank right now. They, they have no confidence. They're not playing well nothing is going right for them now they have some injuries obviously I kind of like the Broncos here in this spot as crazy as that sounds because the Broncos haven't been able to score I don't think they've scored over 23 points in a game yet this season something like that so it's just kind of one of those games that stood out to me right away as I I think that this game might just be like entertaining in such a bad way but I'll probably end up being on the Broncos because honestly right now you try to look for teams that like I could fade this team for weeks and weeks and weeks because they just have no energy to them. The Raiders look like that.
4: Yeah, they certainly do. And that home field advantage for Denver is big. And we always get an advantage when you join me, Frank. Always appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it, Greg. Always appreciate Frank Schwab jumping on. Does a great job over at Yahoo Sports. Coming up next, you got to take a look at some college basketball for this Wednesday here on VEASAN, the Esports Bank Network.
3: On VSN, the sports
4: betting network. Lace up your cleats with Bet Rivers online sportsbook with the latest odds, lines, and boosts. Bet Rivers is your go-to for all soccer-related content. Check out Bet Rivers' special World Cup promotions like World Cup futures, insurance bets, and World Cup daily bet and gets. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is calling all soccer fans. Head on over to either betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app to get the all to get everything that you need all the day of the match. As it is a whole new game, as it is the Greg Peterson experience right here on Veasan, the Sports Bank Network. First things first. Big thanks to Frank Schwab for joining me in the last two segments previewing Week number 11 in the NFL and. This game did go final as we were talking with our good buddy, Frank. It was the Kansas Jayhawks that were able to go Rock Chalk Jayhawk. They get it done against Duke by kind of 69 to 64. So anyone that took the under, a very comfortable under and Kansas, they started out as about a one and a half to a two point favorite. They closed in some spots as a favorite and closed in other spots as an underdog. It was moving all the way around, but Regardless of if you took it early or if you took it late, you were able to get there with Kansas. So they're able to get it done. And another little bit of a marquee game that is going on as I do this show. And you've actually got two games that are going on USC and Vermont is tied up 44 to 44 with about five and a half minutes left. And you've got a tie score of 44 to 44 with Dayton versus UNLV. So I'll be keeping you guys abreast there. Really don't have any live plays for anyone that is listening live. But that said, certainly we'll be monitoring those results for you. But We've also got to take a look at the card that we've got on this Wednesday. It's a pretty good card. We've got quite a few games that are going on in terms of the Gavit games. We've got a game that's on the Extra Games board that I'll be giving you guys a DK Nation pick on in our number two. So be on the lookout there. But how about if we go with one of the bigger games? We're not going to go with the biggest of them yet. I'm going to make you guys wait until hour number two for that. But that said, how about if we go with a game that I think has a little bit of appeal. This is Iowa versus Seton Hall, 865-866 on the betting board. Seton Hall, a one-point favorite pretty much across the board. Total on this game is anywhere between 148 and half and 149 and And I think it's as simple as this. If you think that the game is going to be up-tempo and Iowa is going to be able to get their style, they win this game outright. If you think that Seton Hall is going to be able to hold down Iowa just a little bit in terms of tempo, they're going to be able to generate steals much like they've done First few games of the season, you probably like Seton Hall. I personally do like this total under, and I did make Seton Hall a 4-4.5-point four to four and a half point favorite. So I do think that Seton Hall, they're going to be able to get the job done in this spot when it comes to Iowa. You've got a few moving parts with this team. As, as we know, it was all about Keegan Murray last season. Now his brother, Chris Murray, is looking to really go into takeover mode for this team as he, thus far, the season is averaging right around 19 points per contest. He's been solid on that front. You've been able to get good production out of so many of your guys down low, like a Philip or Bracha, But when it comes to and all, they've got a lot of size as well. They bring in Casey Undefu, who two seasons ago, let all of college basketball in terms of blocks on a per game basis. They've got a very versatile guy in Kadari Richmond that I like as well. So I do like the way that this team is able to operate. And a guy like a Jameer Young is able to do a solid job of being a pop threes. Iowa. Just has never been a team that has been able to generate a lot of turnovers. Meanwhile, you've got a Iowa team that they look to really be able to take care of the ball. They are one of the best teams year in and year out in terms of fewest turnovers on a per-possession basis. And this year, they have entrusted one Tony Perkins in being the main point guard for the team. So far, so good. After last season, he was able to give the team 7.5 points, was playing much more off the ball. He's been able to give the team 11 assists to just one turnover. It's looked very solid, but those two games against North Carolina and T. M. Bethune-Cookman, so hard to make necessarily too much out of that with Seton Hall. They themselves have played a pair of, shall we say, not-so-terrific teams as they were able to take down Monmouth, and in the uh, in the return battle for their coach, you had Seton Hall just completely pummeled St. Peter's by a count of 80-44, to 44. so that was a good one for Sheem Hallway, but that said, I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that Seton Hall, on their own floor, it's going to cause things to be just a little bit chaotic in general for this Iowa team. I like Seton Hall to be able to slow down this offense, generate some turnovers. As a result, did set my total at 147.5. I'm going to be taking a look at an under. And when it comes to Seton Hall, made them more around about a 3.5 to a 4-point favorite. So I'm going to be willing to lay the small number of a 1 in this circumstance. How about if we look at a game that's a little bit more demonstrative in terms of the spread, but involves something that I think it's very fascinating in terms of scoring. 869 or seven six six 680 on the betting board. It is Ohio State. They're gonna be playing us to Eastern Illinois. Eastern Illinois, well, they are an underdog of any between thirty and thirty and a half points, and your total on this game is one thirty-two and a half. I mentioned something in terms of scoring. Well, I should probably rephrase that. Let's mention something in terms of a lack of scoring, and that's on the Eastern Illinois front. Eastern Illinois in games against Division One competition. So this takes out the games that they play against, like NAIA teams, things of that nature, but against Division I teams. In Eastern Illinois' last 32 games, they've scored 62 points or fewer in 31 of them. I don't think it's going to turn around against the Ohio State University. Now, with Ohio State, they do have Eugene Brown out of the fold. He's going to be out due to a concussion. He's been missing for a game or two already, so not necessarily too earth-shattering there. And when it comes to this Ohio State team, they are a bunch that they can sometimes leave a little bit of something to be desired on defense, but Eastern Illinois just really makes their own bed with the way that they commit so many turnovers. They don't have really any three-point shooting whatsoever. It's really sad. Jace Boonauer was actually doing a solid job a few seasons ago, They making him for Marty Simmons and... Well, Marty has not been able to get things online. It completely gutted the program. And with Eastern Illinois, you've right now got one guy that's averaging more than 7.7 points per contest. Keenan Hodges has been able to do an okay job for the scene. But that said, Eastern Illinois is shooting 22% for three 55 and percent at the free line turning the ball over 14 and times per contest. As a matter of fact, they thus far this season have 43 turnovers and they've been able to make in terms of just overall field goals, I believe 58 of them. So yeah, that's not too terrific. And then for Ohio State, I do like Justice Suing being back the fold. He's just been off and on injured over the last few seasons. That really hurts this Ohio State team. But that said, Zedke should be able to absolutely eat things up on the glass down low. Paul Benzema. Along with Rodolfo Rifolo Bolis for this Eastern Illinois team. Neither of those guys are going to be able to match up. I think that it's just a little bit too high of a number because Eastern Illinois hasn't been completely terrible on defense. We're looking for as much of a compliment as we can. And I mean, in their last two games, they're giving up an average of about 65 points. They got completely laying base against Illinois, losing that game 87 to 57. But I have Illinois as a slightly better team. Then Ohio State, they were able to hang within 30 in that game. I think they're going to be able to hang within 30 in this one. I think that Ohio State is going to be able to win this game comfortably. I think that they hold Eastern Illinois to fewer than 55 points. I really think that that is the golden number in terms of this game, in terms of if you think that it's going to go over or under, because if Eastern Illinois scores fewer than 55, it's really going to be an uphill battle for Ohio State to be able to get this done just because Eastern Illinois, on top of them being – Bad on offense. They're also a very slow team, so that means that you're just going to get fewer possessions in this game. As a result, I did set my total at 132 and a half. I'm going to be willing, to, or I set my total at a more around of 126. So here at 132 and a half, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. Though Ohio State, made them a 28-point favorite. I think that Ohio State wins this game. Wins this game convincingly, but I think we've went up a little bit too big in the spread. So taking a look at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at Eastern Illinois catching between 30 and 30.5 points. And then we're going to hit on really the earliest game that we're going to be seeing on the betting board of Cincinnati versus Northern Kentucky. Northern Kentucky right now between a 6.5 to a 7.5 point underdog total on this game is 137 to 137.5 half. I set this right in the middle of this line. I made my number 7. The only place I'm really seeing a 7.5 is where I sit right now at Circa. They tend to be a little bit off-market, but most of you guys are probably seeing a 6.5, and, and I'd be willing to lay the 6.5 with Cincinnati. I do think that you've got a very good coach in Wes Miller, one that does a great job of being a preach defense, and you've got so much size on the scene. Even someone like an Odie Aguama, who comes in from Wake Forest, He's very good at being able to hit the glass. Victor Lockheed, he does a solid job. Six foot eleven guy that does a nice job as the Energizer Bunny, and they're smart with the ball. Cincinnati, one of the best teams at not turning it over last season, David DeJulius, in terms of assist-to-turnover ratio in conference while he was still at Michigan. He's one of the top players in all of college basketball a few seasons ago. They go up against the Northern Kentucky Bunch that they've dealt with a little bit of an ailment to Sam Vincent, who missed a game a little bit earlier this season. He's really their main guy, able to give you some steals, able to do quite a bit for this team, but... I do think that the coaching of Edge, it certainly is there for Cincinnati. And that does lead into the pro tip that I've got for this hour. slash subscribe for all these pro tips. Early on in the college basketball season, you want to put a little bit more weight on coaches that have been have been there, done that, coaches that have experience, guys that have a good track record. And you probably want to downgrade the guys that, let's call it what it is, they haven't necessarily been so trustworthy. Wes Miller, in my opinion, is a trustworthy coach. He's got a very solid team. Bring in someone like Landers Nolly to be able to help out with this offense. They've got a lot of guys that are able to stroke it from three-point range now as well. As a result, made Cincinnati a seven-point favorite, so I'm going to be willing to lay it here. And when it comes to total, I made it a 133 as well. I think that Wes Miller, the coach of Cincinnati, is going to continue to do a nice job of being able to coach up that defense, taking a look at the total under as well. And coming up in our number two of the Greg Peterson experience, going to give you guys my DK Nation pick right here on the The Greg Peterson experience on v the sports Network.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.